0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh. How you going, mate? Very good, man. How are you? Yeah, I got that out. Good. You did? Yeah, I'm going well. Um,
1: How, how's the uh, body holding up, dude?
0: i uh, pretty, yeah, a bit sore today. Um, this is, uh, I'm into my third week post hit and run from a truck, and um, yeah, be off for work. For a little while still, I think so. Um, just recovering, and I think I'm able to just move around and dress myself now, which is nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that sounds good. Oh, I couldn't imagine the the horrific injury you've just gone through and still going through. So, um, you know, you're sitting in the car and you're you're looking a lot more perky this week. I will say that, but yeah, um, it's awesome. It's awesome that you're you're uh, on the on the right path of getting better. So.
0: Yeah, we'll just see how things go as I start. Like, um, like I still, pro- I'm still not walking great. You know, I'm like still pretty limpy and um, shoulder, shoulders. Uh, I got to go get a bit more investigation on the shoulder to find out what's um, what the plan of attack is on that. But yeah, look, we'll, we'll 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 get better. I'm I'm in the right field. <laughs> yeah, so, um, good. <laughs> yeah, we'll, guys. Cool, mate. Well, what's been going on in your world?
1: Um, well, I'm in my last week of uh uni, last week of study, I guess. Um, before before exams, so I am super super keen to um to be done for the year. Um, and we're oh, on a personal level, we're buying a uh, van so we can uh, deck it out as a camper. And um, so if anybody wants to buy a Rav Four, feel free to get a hold of me. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: yeah no it's been good you need a new new car too do you to to tow tow it or oh no you're buying a van you you, do you mean a caravan or a van
1: oh no a um a van like a uh a volkswagen uh t5 transporter yeah
0: yeah okay good stuff
1: exciting mate exciting
0: yeah good times well mate let's talk shop we're going to uh have a dive there's been a fair bit going on in the markets again it's up and down and uh the fed came out last week um actually was it the fed coming out last week i think the we got the inflation numbers last week and again it shocked uh, i guess it shocked the market the inflation data was a little bit worse than expected uh, again and um the we had a huge sell off in the market in the us overnight followed by within the same session a massive finish so i think it was about a 6% swing there so yeah um, trying to under- yeah trying to understand that but uh, we've been talking like um you, why don't you just just tell us a little bit what you're saying off air there about the um the buffer indicator? Because I thought that was really interesting. The buffer um, indicator, the, almost the Buffett indicator, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's on its way down.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, we're we'll having a look at that because well, uh, a quick one. It's, it's a Buffett indicator. That's what that's what the uh, nickname's been given after Warren Buffett had come out and um, talked about um, his what he expects, uh, you know, a a reasonable range for the total US market cap versus the GDP, which is essentially, it's essentially going, this is what the market is worth, like this is what the companies are worth and this is what the GDP that they create is. So it's a a good indicator to see if things are overpriced or underpriced Um, and essentially Warren Buffett said that a 75 to 90% range um, he believes is means that the, the market, the stock market, all the companies making up the stock market is uh, as a macro level, reasonably priced. And what that means um, is that, you know, the the market capitalization of all the businesses that make up the total U S market um, is 75 to 90% the price of the actual GDP that they create, which makes sense. Cause you wouldn't expect the companies to be worth more than the GDP they create. Um, so he also said that over 120% suggests that the stock market is overvalued. Um, and I was just mm-hmm. looking at it. Um, we haven't seen 120% uh, well under 120%. We've seen it a number of times very, very, very quickly. Um, but between 2016 and now, it's, it's gotten down to under 120%. Uh it looks to be two times. Once back in 20 uh uh 2018, I think it was, and then once again uh during COVID, very, very quickly dropped under 120. But it hasn't gone under a hundred since like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. So that would um that would say that we've had a very overpriced market according to this one single mm. it's only one single indicator, right? But um just to give you a bit of a um understanding of it it's it's gone above 100 three times in history it went above 100 um, right before the 2000 tech bubble and then it crashed hard as we know Um, and then the indicator went back to like roughly you know 70 75 which is a buy range according to what Buffett would say Um, the next time it went above 100 was right before 2008 and then we've seen a big another big stock market crash where the Buffett indicator went down to 50. So that says that the the stock market's you know, market capitalization was 50% of GDP. And that's very much a buy range. And and Buffett has said, you know, during that period, you could spin around and throw a dart at a board and whatever Dart the company landed on, well, you know, a, a board full of companies, whatever that, whatever the dart landed on was a steal. Um so that goes to say a lot if he's saying that. But yeah, the third time in history, it's gone above 100, was roughly uh, in 2013. And it has not gone under 100 since then. We actually seen for a very first time in history, it cracked 200% of GDP. Um, And that was in uh, 2021. And since then, it's come off the heat very hard, back to 145% of GDP. So it's, it's, it's on a steep, steep downhill trend at the moment.
0: So historically we're still pretty expensive really if you're looking at um you know, history there and you, you was mentioning we've really only gone above a hundred three times
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know the dot com um and the most recent one was well i guess this one and then you're saying we've gone above 200 so yeah i mean it's obviously come off a long way there if you're just looking at that statistic itself um but you know we were mentioning you know although that Broad market still seems high. There is some pretty um, good companies here who are, you know, individually looking pretty cheap. Yeah, you know, we're we're looking. We're discussing. We're getting off topic here, mate, because we want to get into these other two companies. But just really quickly, we, you know, Meta. Meta's sitting at a a P of ten and a half, which is just mind blowing. Um, it's just nuts. So, yeah, just a really low PE. Hey, so I guess I guess that tells you something that the market's not overly impressed, and maybe maybe they believe their earnings are going to really be impacted moving forward. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's maybe telling you something, but again, you we look for these mis, mismatchings and mispricings in the market um, as potential opportunities, but you got to do your, do your homework.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And a big one on that, you know, we talk about events and um, events is when we want to be buying companies and um, and there's three main type of events, you know, like company specific events, um, industry specific events, or, you know, macro events, which affect the whole economy. And, um, you know, a number of good investors have said that macro big events, such as recessions that affect the whole economy, they're the, they're the ones that we love as, as, you know, legacy style investors. Cause um, at the end of the day, whether or not a company is, you know, specifically being affected, the The share price is coming off hard because everybody's fearful in fear mode and selling, you know, and especially now with yeah. um, so many ETFs, you know, you sell an ETF, you're actually selling, you know, how many companies are on that ETF that you buy. So every time somebody sells an ETF, you're selling 200 companies and all those companies are being affected mm. by a sale. So um, mm. it's, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, we're still at a very high valuation according to the Buffett indicator. Um, we've had a number of people say that we've got a long way to go. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it gets to.
0: Yes, well, watch this space. Um, mate, let's get into our companies because there's a couple of companies that we looked at. We're, we're heading over here. Well, we're going to stay here in the ASX in Australia here. A couple of companies we've spoken about in the past. Kodan, uh, one of them. Uh, I'll get you to, to give us a brief uh, summary of that it's in your space you, you know this one pretty well and then we might quickly look at tyro as well which is a bit more in my space but both companies we've researched in the past we've done initial dives on and thought tyro was a bit more of a speculative play coden we were pretty happy to do a deep dive on uh, had good numbers and sort of ticked a lot of the boxes that we we like to look at but mate give us a brief i guess description of of um coden and what they do Yeah, so
1: um, yeah, Coden. So a quick one of what they do. Uh, What I'm gonna do is go through uh, the initial dive we did. We started doing our deeper dive, but we got pulled off track just to go off track of what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, We kind of uh, stopped when uh, McGurk, uh, Donald McGurk who's the CEO left at the start of this year and we we kind of took a backpedal on our research um, because we know that you know that's that's a not a red flag but it's something that we want to look into before we continue on and then we kind of never got back to it right so um, yeah Coden what does a company do basically they sell metal detectors they're in the communi- uh, communications industry and tracking solutions um uh, and they have equipment in more than 150 companies, essentially. Um, they're in the military uh, space. They're in the mining space um, and government space. But we like them more so. Their the, the communications is heavily in the military across Australia, across uh, the US, um, and a bunch of other countries. Um, they're, they're, they're tracking solutions. They do a lot of, like, GPS, underground GPS stuff. Um, for underground vehicles um, especially in the safety space so that you know like you you're not going to have accidents underground because the vehicles know where each other are especially you know dark underground areas around bends and stuff that's that's what I looked into a bit with their mining um, area but we really like their military sector and their gold mining sector which is metal detectors Um, we come across them uh, because I I know mine lab I've I've Uh, In the EOD space before, um, in the explosive ordnance space before, I've used Mine Labs. Um, They're good pieces of equipment, Um, and and I didn't know who made them, but I believe we got to a point where we realised who made them, and that kind of got us interested to look into it a bit more. Um, So they they have Mine Lab, they own Mine Lab, which are in Australian Defence Force, US Defence Force, I believe in some um, European Defence Forces as well, but their major sector is gold mining and they have a lot of gold mining equipment um and and because of that where that's where most of their revenue comes from a lot of their revenues or uh income is based on uh, not heavily but is based around the gold price at the time because obviously when gold goes up more people want to prospect for gold um and that will affect their revenue because more people are buying and so forth so that's just a little bit around what they do um in a very roundabout way
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, this company's been absolutely smashed this year, you know, along with a lot of companies. But it's gone from um around it was almost twenty dollars back in was it last year, and it's now sitting at you know pretty juicy five dollars if you just if you're just sort of going according to um looking at share price. But yeah, we got up to really close, just touched over nineteen fifty back in July last year, and it's just really had a pretty miserable downward trend since then, and uh, I think this one was being a little bit pulled into that sort of, you know, a high growth stock and potentially that sort of almost thrown into that tech sector, which um, it's not really, but you mentioned what they do. And, and we, we see that, you know, that really good spaces to be in. I think defense at the moment is a really good space moving forward just with the, with the world geopolitical um, tensions in the world. It, it's a really nice part of their business and it's a really massively growing part of their business, um, their, their results this year were actually really fantastic when they uh, released. And um, I guess part of their, maybe their drawdown has been that the gold detection side has been pretty miserable in the last 12 months. I think it was down um, almost 20%, whereas their, their uh, communication side, which is the one that you're talking about, up 150, but 3% in the year. So they're really trying to build that. They've made a couple of acquisitions. Yeah, gold was down 20% or, or metal detection, I should say, was down 20%. Yeah. Um, And the communication side of the business up 153%. And that really looks to be the the section of their business that is growing really, really nicely. Uh, in their presentation, they've talked about, they've already got some great sales uh, moving forward into the next year as well. So it's a, it's a great one to come back and revisit, I reckon. You know, like it's... especially with the share price really going down obviously that's one of the last things we look at um the earnings per share um has been growing it looks like it's you know so even given that the share price has come down their earnings per share uh went up again this year so last year it was two dollars uh so that's sales Uh, earnings per share was 54 cents it's gone up to 56 cents only modest uh i guess growth but in a time where they've had like a fair bit of headwinds, they, they've still been managed to grow the business, and the share price has been absolutely—you know—they're down almost seventy-five percent. So,
1: yeah, and, definitely. And, and, it. And
0: his, historically, we're on a really, really low PE here. They're, they're sitting at about nine, I believe. Is that right? Am I right on that nine? Uh, they've obviously had highs of around thirty over over the last ten years as well. So. It's historically, very low PE at the moment, um, and looks like their earnings will. In their presentation, they're talking about their earnings continually growing. They haven't really mentioned in their outlook that they are going to be um, going backwards. So, yeah, some pretty pretty nice stuff in that presentation from this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you nailed a couple of good points there because um, mentioning their their PE, that was one of their major fails when we were doing our initial dive. Um, yeah. When we did the initial dive, and we're looking over a year ago now, um, their their price to earnings at that time were all time highs of thirty two, um, and we had their historic middle range of price to earnings around twelve to fifteen, um, with a a low range of seven. So we're currently sitting very very close to the lowest P they've had in a while. Um, so that 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 is nice to see. Um obviously, having their price come down by roughly seventy five percent helps that a lot um but yeah no you know there's also earnings on that side of things too so um yeah, I think that's that would probably bring them to a pass but there there are a number of other things uh since we've done these um uh bits of research uh that we want to double check before we 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 want to you know potentially pull a green light on coden because um mm. as as we did mention uh the ceo left at the start of this year um and from a quick bit of research back when it happened and a quick bit of research now um that was purely a retirement play um but as we know you know we want to we want to have a ceo with a good track record because management team is important in any investment so um, that's definitely one thing that we've added onto the list that we want to um, take a look at before we, we carry on.
0: Yeah, the, I think the management thing would be the most important thing. Um, they, Like you said, they had the CEO, but they had a few different um, couple of directors change as well. The, the company secretary well, and, and on the surface all looked like retirements. Yeah, I mean, Again, the presentation was really good. Their outlook actually looks really good. They're, they're predicting a better better second half or a better financial year 23. Uh, looks like mine lab sales may not be as good. That might have something to do with the um, ceasing of selling in Russia. Uh, they talked about, which was about a $15 million hit for them. Yep. Uh, but it's, it all looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, obviously the presentation, you see what they want you to see. So it's good to go under the hood and look a bit deeper. But mate, I reckon this is one that we can maybe re-engage that deep dive on and figure out you know, is the CEO leaving. do we know much about the new CEO? I haven't read much about them or, or know who they are, but definitely I think we should put this back on the radar.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the new CEO, I haven't read much on him as uh either. So it's Alf. Uh I don't want to get the last name. It's gonna it's kinda of struggle. Don't butcher e- it. Ian yellow, right? That's all I'm gonna say. Um Ianello. Um anyway, um, do we got here bachelor of engineering electronics um, managing director ceo um, he comes from a background of international um packaging defense and automotive industries so um, i guess that's that's not a bad thing at all um being having defense uh having defense and international experience um we know Code sells a lot internationally um mm. so which is good for an australian company it it does it, it brings um revenue to australia for for um an australian company which is good so um but yeah definitely i think we need to have a bit of a read up on him and any of the new executive team it looks like um a lot of the executive team still is the same but um yeah definitely warranted to do a bit more research um given you know the year we've had and the current environment we're in but um interesting enough uh, also looking at our initial dives, uh, when we were doing the initial dives, um, going through the filters, the valuation and the, the price to earnings now is a pass. And they were the only two things that we failed the company on. Um, however, what we had there, the valuation at the time was $17.35. Um, we actually had their sticker price at $12.55, which puts their margin of safety at 6 um yeah. and then their 10 cap at 555. So yeah. you know, obviously these are outdated numbers and we would have to update it. Um, however, they've their their trailing 12 months earnings per share has actually gone up as we've discussed. Mm. Um mm. so currently on our previous, you know, shallow dive, initial dive numbers, the company's on sale. But that doesn't mean go out and buy it. We we know that hundred percent. Um It all depends now on if if things have changed um, and we still haven't completed our deep dive. So um, I know we had a number of people get onto us in our socials about this, but let's get back into it, mate.
0: (laughs) Let's do it. It's on. Mm. Legend, I enjoyed that. It's good to go back and have a look at Kodan. Do do we head into Tyro?
1: Yeah, have a quick one around Tyro. I've got about another five to 10, mate. So let's have a quick chat around Tyro and then we'll cut it over the week.
0: Yep, yeah, Tyro is a payments, I guess, a payments business, almost like a digital bank, I guess, if people can think of it that way. They do the, uh, if you think about it, if you go to a cafe or a a massage place or a, you know, OT or dentist the, that you have the terminals that sit on the, the reception benches, Tyro do those terminals uh, that, yeah, that you tap your cards on and payments and it allows you to, obviously pay for things, but also allows you to um, swipe your health funds if you have private health insurance and it it does that claim on the spot. So, yeah, Tara was a business we looked at uh, probably about 18 months ago. That was interesting. It was in the speculative, I guess, the speculative basket of of shares you want to be looking at, a small portion of your portfolio. Um, And it was a company that's, I guess, in the growth phase. They're not really making any money yet. There are negative earnings per share, but growing quite nicely. They were heavily, heavily impacted by COVID. You know, obviously, with shutdowns of businesses, lockdowns, um, Tyro was you know, one of those businesses that was really heavily affected. Obviously, if no one's tapping their machines, they're not getting the little clip the ticket percents on those. So they've been pretty uh, open throughout the whole process in updating the market each week on their transactions coming through. And their transactions have been building really, really nicely. But I guess what's made these guys come back on the radar for me to look at, well, two things. Firstly, Tyro went and bought out a company called Medipass, which is like a digital version of um, your private health. Uh, If someone comes in for an appointment in a dentist or physio or um, any of those types of allied healths, um, you can swipe your health fund and it it automatically um, takes that payment. Medipass is a digital version of that, and it works just through your phone and the app. So Taro bought out Medipass, and Medipass is a pretty cool little um, startup. So they—that was an acquisition on their behalf. But very recently, they—they they absolutely got slammed uh, earlier this year on the back of their, I guess, their results. It, it wasn't as good as expected. Their expenses are getting a little bit out of hand, and I think quite a few of ins- institutions that were, I guess, had bought into Taro early on were, were jumping out and I mean, their share price tanked. It, this was a, this was a $4 share. It obviously had a pretty lumpy period through, through COVID there, but um, it was really bumpy. And then it's basically gone from, you know, October last year at around $4.20 all the way dropped down to uh, almost 50 cents. Mm. So um, I wished I, I, I sold out of this one. Both you and I got in pretty early on these guys and, and made a little bit of money out of them. Um, I had forgotten about them and sort of uh, hadn't been watching them, uh, and they came across my radar real recently when I saw an announcement that a private equity firm was going to take them over. And so they were sitting around that sort of 70 80 cents and they shot up to about a dollar thirty. Um, the board rejected that offer. Uh, I think it was around a dollar thirty. Um, so they've been humming around there for a little bit. But just today, uh, Westpac and tara have come out and announced that Westpac are looking. To acquire one hundred percent of Tyro,
1: so interesting,
0: interesting news story there today. I guess Westpac probably see Tyro in that terminal space uh, as a, a, I guess, a decent competitor, but also maybe um, an add-on for Westpac and their small businesses side of their business themselves to to add to, I guess, their current customers. Uh, but very interesting.
1: Yeah, mate. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. Um you know i i next time anybody listening in australia obviously goes out and and taps their card on a machine i i i recommend having a look at the machine because i i still i still am surprised how many times i see tyro right so clearly they have Definitely. some sort of market you know they got their fingers in the pies in the right places mm-hmm. a lot so like you know the few good things about this company there's there's no long term debt anymore um you know there's there there is a substantial equity in the company um you've discussed they they aren't profitable yet um so it is it's not a legacy investing style company but we we kind of see this company as being a decent you know little company to potentially put into the um risky business portfolio i think it's a good news story to have you know westpac want to buy them um, you know westpac's obviously a very very big market cap in the australian stock exchange um Mm. and that just therefore gives uh capital uh for areas that need need growth and so forth so it it could see tyro um it could see tyro go very successful in the future or whether or not um it gets absorbed under westpac we don't know um but hey like it's an interesting story it's an interesting news story i think once again like it's a a good it's a good one to keep an eye on moving forward. You've done a lot more research into into Tyro. I know we both got in and got out, um, but it's an interesting company. It's an interesting, interesting company.
0: Yeah, look, I'm pretty happy with my sell a while ago. Uh, I, there was some big uh, shareholders that were selling out big parcels of um, shares, and it, that made me a little bit nervous, I guess. They haven't, I mean, they've been around privately for a long time and they've been a pretty well managed company um, on the surface. They just haven't been able to get their expenses under control uh, through this period, and I think that in that last sort of presentation, really scared a lot of people off. I don't quote me on this, but I believe is it uh, the owner of um, Atlas and Cannon Brooks? He's a he's a shareholder, and he has he's all for the sale of um, Tyro or to, for them to accept a um, a bid. Mm-hmm. So that will be interesting to see what happens there. I, I wasn't aware that he was a, a shareholder. Um, but yeah, it probably would have been a pretty nice trade in here somewhere. I think for a short term trader, uh, interesting business, uh, nice, nice story. Um, but I'm pretty happy with my sell at this point.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, mate.
0: <laughs> cool. Oh, you know, I think though, we might
1: call it there, man.
0: Yep. Yeah, nice to go back and revisit some of these companies we've looked at in the past. We, we should, um, have a look at a couple other ones and. Um, have you looked at uh, was it Newx recently no I haven't I'm
1: not even that was a little bloody what grab we did a, a while ago last year wasn't it so. oh
0: mate they are a disaster mm-hmm. absolute disaster they're at yeah, 65 cents but yeah we will, we'll leave that for another day
1: yeah I think we do
0: <laughs> yeah thanks to all the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast I'm Nate and we'll be back again next week thanks mate
1: Cheers, mate. Look forward to it. Have a good one. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.